0: stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230
1: to 3, 770 CHQR. Right, here we go. Welcome to this hour on the Chorus Radio Network. Rob Breckenridge with you here today and for the next couple of weeks. Plus some time for your phone calls coming up later in this hour. A few of the stories we're watching, including this uh, meeting today, a virtual meeting, happening between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and U.S. President Joe Biden, so we'll bring you the latest on that. Much more still to get to. Off the top of this hour, though, I want to take a look at a fascinating new study that kind of cuts to some pretty fundamental questions about sleep, dreams specifically, but even just sleep itself, right? We tend to think of you're either awake or you're asleep, right? There's no in-between, but, but is there? Is it possible to be asleep but to be aware of what's going on around you. Is it possible to be asleep and have a conversation with somebody? Now, that might be overstating it a little bit here, but uh, some interesting new research out of the U.S. finds that real-time dialogue with a dreaming person is possible. And some of it almost calls to mind the the movie Inception, the idea of kind of hacking into someone's dream. But maybe you've had it happen before. I know I've had uh, plenty of times where... uh, you know a song is playing an alarm's going off maybe your clock radio is playing a song and the song kind of seeps its way into your dream so you're perceiving it but it's manifesting itself somehow in your dream and that, that's kind of similar to what was found here this study published in the journal current biology uh, joining us to talk more about the research is uh, one of the authors uh, of this study uh, Ken who's a professor of psychology at Northwestern University and joins us on the line here this morning professor Powell great to have you with us here welcome to the program Thanks. Uh, glad to talk. So let, let's uh, establish the concept, first of all, of, of lucid dreaming. And, and that's the the state, I guess, that this study focuses on, the, the state that we're referring to. What, what do we mean when we speak of lucid dreaming?
0: Well, lucid dreaming is defined as having a dream and knowing at that moment that it's a dream. Because most of our dreams, we think... We're awake, and we're experiencing normal circumstances, no matter how bizarre it is. But in a lucid dream, you understand that you're dreaming.
1: Okay, so, I mean, that, that seems like a clear difference. But, it, I mean, just the, the fact that, that that would exist as a concept in the first place, what what does it tell us about our, our brains and uh, our perception of, of being asleep versus being awake? How can we be aware that we are dreaming?
0: Well, I, I think it, it's, it gets to... bizarreness of dreams in the first place so one of the big questions is why do we dream anyway what's the point of doing that and when we're dreaming we're in essentially inventing everything we experience right it's all manufactured based on the memories we have and putting them together in new and totally different ways and then experiencing that and we seem to not be entirely logical while we're while we're having a dream because when you're awake if something really bizarre happens, you probably take notice of that. And we seem to just be nonchalant and go right on with the dream when they're bizarre. <laughs> Do you, have you had <laughs> that experience? The, yes. <laughs> that you, you, you don't jump to the conclusion that something bizarre just happened. I must be dreaming. That happens once in a while, and, and it happens more in children. It happens sometimes for people that have nightmares a lot. Uh, it doesn't necessarily happen to a lot of us. Most people don't have this, but um, maybe about half of the people that have been surveyed have had a lucid dream at least one time in their life.
1: Well, I, I've had all those dreams where, you know, something bad has happened or is happening, and then it sort of occurs to me in the dream that, wait a sec, maybe I'm, I'm dreaming. So I've, I've certainly had that, I, I think, it is as weird as it is. But there, there's definitely a difference between the two, because some, you know, seem very real, and it's not until you wake up that it takes a second for that to to process, that, okay, wait, that didn't happen. That was just a dream.
0: And lucid dreamers, once they notice it's a lucid dream, they like to stay in it rather than just wake (laughs) up because they can experience things. They can, in fact, try to direct the dream to go in particular ways so they can have a, a degree of control over what happens in the dream.
1: All right, so that brings us to this study, and the, the idea then that there's, there's maybe more awareness going on here when it comes to those who are in a lucid dream state, that there's perhaps ways of communicating with them. So, so how do you go about doing that?
0: Maybe I should back up a little bit to just say why we're doing this sort of thing. So mm-hmm. we want to understand more about sleep and dream dreaming and how it works and why it's relevant to our waking lives, because we think there are various benefits of sleep. You know, sleep isn't at a time when your brain is just turned off. Your brain is quite busy, and we, we need to ask, well, what is, it, what is the brain doing? What is all that brain activity during sleep? And we think that it actually has a positive impact on our memory functions, on our problem solving, creativity, and even our psychological well-being. So to make better use of those benefits, we want to understand what's going on. And so in these studies, we've been trying to understand what's happening in dreaming. And... So one of the difficulties of studying dreaming is that you pretty much learn about them when people wake up. And they tell you, oh, I just had a dream. And they can tell you about their dream. But now some time has passed. They, may for- they might forget a lot of it. They might not remember it correctly. Uh, and they're in a totally different state, the waking state, when they recall the dream. So we can't totally trust those dream reports as being accurate. So we want to go back and see, can we find out about a dream at the moment, it's happening from people, and that was our goal in these these experiments.
1: Right. So and it's, it's, it's a big question, but I mean, I would imagine it's, it's tricky to do. So how did you design this? How did you go about uh, answering those questions?
0: Yeah. Well, we, we, we tried to take advantage of things that had been known from prior work, because, of course, all these new findings, it's always sort of built on prior things. And we knew that people in a lucid dream can signal out of a lucid dream, their bodies are paralyzed during REM sleep, so they can't talk, they can't move much, but they can move their eyes. And so if you're in a dream and you look around in your, whatever environment you're imagining in your dream, your actual eyes are also moving. So this, was, this has been known for a few decades, that if you, if you move your eyes in a particular way, like if we, we use a signal, look to the left all the way, the, to the right, to the left, and to the right, and if they make that signal, we can monitor it from the outside. We could be looking with a camera at the eyes, but it's easier, we just put uh, electri- electrodes on the face and we can record the eyes moving and therefore we can see those signals. So that's half of the communication part that people in a dream can signal to an experimenter to a person outside looking at the recordings. And then the, the other end of it is we had to get information in. And as you mentioned, uh, sometimes a sound in your world can be incorporated into your dream. And sort of, you know, you, you mentioned you might hear a song on the radio and maybe that influences the dream somehow, usually kind of indirectly. So it might make your dream go in a different way, but, but you you won't necessarily hear it accurately. Like if you hear some water dropping, you, you won't necessarily hear water dropping in your dream, but you might dream about some activity in water. say. And so we wanted to put those things together and, find out, if could we communicate accurately to people using words, but, but softly so we don't wake them up, and then if they're actually understanding what they're saying, could they answer back, and in that sense, we could ask them about their dreams and have them tell us about what they're dreaming at the moment, but we wanted to start with questions where we knew what the correct answer was, because if we knew the correct answer, we could make a judgment about whether we think they're accurately hearing the question and able to produce the correct answer. So we we used uh, a number of questions. Some of them were math problems, just simple problems. So what's eight minus six, we would ask. And if the dreamer can hear the question and actually think carefully enough to compute the answer and then signal the answer out with their eyes, then we would know that we were communicating successfully. And that's what happened. I can mention that happened here in my laboratory. Uh, outside Chicago, and also in three other labs in France, Germany, and the Netherlands. So we teamed up together with these four different groups uh, in this publication last week.
1: Yeah. And just an example of, of how fascinating it is, it says one dreamer reported those math problems that were coming out of a car radio. So he was sort of dreaming that he was in a vehicle. He was hearing the questions, but it was manifesting itself in, in the dream then.
0: Yes, people, people heard the the sounds in, in different ways. Sometimes it was coming just out of nowhere or some, from something in their environment. Um, and one, one of the students that we tested, she ended up dreaming that she was in her math class, which seems somehow related <laughs> to, you know, she knew, she knew we were going to ask math questions when she was sleeping. She didn't know which ones, but she ended up dreaming about being in a math class.
1: And so the, the and right answer, enough for her to answer the questions. And some of them did. Now, it wasn't the majority. I think it was maybe one-fifth at the time, or, or maybe just under. But the fact that yeah, the people often, were able to often answer... Often they
0: didn't seem to hear. Okay. So the questions, the questions we asked didn't always get in. And we don't know why for sure, but we think perhaps people are preoccupied with their dream. And whatever interesting yeah. thing is happening there. <laughs> so they may not always hear the question. And in fact, we usually didn't get an answer. But we kept trying. And repeatedly we did get answers, so we, we believe that it can happen and we have to work a little harder to figure out well what makes it work sometimes and not other times. But it, it worked repeatedly and they seldom gave us the wrong answers. So that was one of the questions we had. We thought perhaps they'll hear our voice, but maybe it'll come out very distorted and instead of eight minus six they might hear banana, you know, walks <laughs> over gravel or something. You know, they could hear anything. <laughs> Uh, if they weren't uh, you know, getting the information correctly. But they seem to usually get it correct and therefore be able to answer the question often correctly.
1: So the implication now our in, of this- A group
0: in Paris did a set of other questions. So they asked some questions that were yes, no questions, like, okay. did you, do you like to watch football? You know, do you like chocolate? They asked these questions and then got yes, no answers. And in in their case, the the person answering was able to move their facial muscles, which is not so easy to do because, of course, the paralysis that happens during REM sleep. But if you smile in your dream, your body doesn't necessarily smile, but there's a little muscle twitch in the facial muscles, Mm -hmm. and that's what they measured electrically to see this muscle twitch and get the yes or no answers to their questions.
1: So the idea of hacking people's dreams, I mean, the the Inception stuff does still seem seem a little out there, but I would think that there are all kinds of very positive implications from this. What, What do you see as, you know, the takeaways from this, or at least, you know, where the research goes from here?
0: Yeah, there's sort of two categories. So one is to help us with future research. So we want to find out more about dreaming. And so there's a lot of experiments we can now do where we're not just relying on the dream report when they wake up, but also getting information during the dream, and adding to that are recordings of the electrical activity of the brain that are made so we can try to interpret, well, what's happening in the brain when this dream is going on and when a person answers our questions about what is, what is specifically happening in their dreams. So that's one category of things that, that allow us to try to understand dreams and, as I mentioned before, figure out how they might be relevant to memory function or creativity, you know, various questions about how sleep is interesting. And there's so another category, quite separate, is can this method be used for people to help them with their goals? And so communicating during a dream, I suppose you could rig it up so you could try to uh, curate your own dreams so they go Mm -hmm. the way you want them to go. Because you might want to have a lucid dream, for particular reason, say you have some problem you're working on in your life and you might want to try to solve it a little bit more creatively like you might be able to do in your dream and sort of work on this problem. And so you can have a lucid dream and then forget what your goal was. So this this method could be used to remind you of what your particular goal is and also to help you get in the lucid dream in the first place because that's actually quite challenging just to have a dream and then suddenly realize oh, actually, I'm not awake right now. I'm sleeping, and so I can go ahead with the goals I had set for myself earlier. So both of those things could be promoted with these methods where we're presenting words to people while they're sleeping. It could be in your own voice, Uh, Mm -hmm. and it has to be soft enough because you don't want it to wake you up. So it has to be at the right time of sleep, which in this case was REM sleep, and at the right volume so that it gets in but doesn't
1: uh, wake you completely up because that's not the point. It's fascinating indeed. Uh, Professor Paller, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate it.
0: Happy to talk to you, Rob.
1: All right, take care. That's uh, Ken Paller. He's a cognitive neuroscientist. He's a a professor of psychology at Northwestern University, one of the authors of this study. Uh, So yeah, that idea of a blank slate where you can have a dream, you know you're dreaming, you can shape it a certain way, You know, that that would hold a lot of promise. I mean, there probably are ways that that can be abused, which is is worth taking into consideration. But some really interesting findings here. Tell you what we got to do here. We'll take a quick break. We got some open line time coming up in this hour. Much more to get to. We're back with more right after this. Right, Welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you here on the Chorus Radio Network, just a minute or so before the bottom of the hour. Uh, We can open up the phone lines uh, coming up after 1130. Uh, anything uh, on your mind here this morning. Certainly, we talked a lot earlier about uh, the vote yesterday in the House of Commons, uh, the motion passing, recognizing a genocide occurring in China, what's being done to the uh, Uyghur uh, Muslim population. Of course, the prime minister and cabinet ministers abstained from the vote. Now, most weren't there. Uh, Mark Garneau, the foreign affairs minister, was. So we had the the optics of the foreign affairs minister abstaining on the vote, Nobody voted against the motion, so this did have support from all parties, including from liberal MPs, by the way. But I think the question then becomes, well, what do we do now? What's the next step? It's not enough to just, you know, wag a finger and say, shame on you, China, for what you're doing. I mean, what's the follow-through here? So I think there's that question, but it also speaks to the bigger issue, doesn't it, of, you know, this this government's entire approach towards China. It just seems largely defined by inaction you know they're they're afraid to rock the boat afraid to anger the chinese afraid to put the two michaels in in danger but you you can't ignore these issues either so maybe we'll uh, kind of hide behind the americans on this one we'll see how much uh discussion on china there is in this conversation today this virtual meeting between justin trudeau and us president joe biden and whatever else might come out of that you know and there's the question well okay so uh justin trudeau and joe biden are on good terms but what does that actually mean to us, right? I mean, Reagan and Mulroney were great bodies. But it was good for the Canada-U.S. relationship. We got the free trade agreement. There was a lot of cooperation on defense issues that, that Canada mattered. Mulroney had Reagan's ear. So are we going to see any results from from uh, this prime minister and this president? So we'll come back with your calls. Much more still to come. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.